I'm glad that God gave me a voice. And I want to use it because I don't want any rocks crying out in my place. If you're happy, you at church, turn to your neighbor and tell them, say, you better get with the program tonight. Tell them, say, if you ain't happy yet, you better get happy. Because there's a lot of places you could be tonight. But you're in the presence of the king. That didn't settle too well. There's a lot of places you could be tonight. I don't know what your Sunday night used to look like when you was out in the world. But it's nothing in comparison to what it looks like when you're in the house of God. I was glad when they said unto me, Come on, somebody. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. If they was glad when they said, let's go, I wonder what they said when they got there. I wonder what they said when they left. I hope we walk away after this service tonight saying, man, I can't believe what Jesus is doing in our church. Well, or we kept saying, yep, I knew it was going to happen, and now it started happening, and I'm just going to give God praise for it. I want to hear some testimonies after this service here tonight of what the Holy Ghost is doing among us. Everybody say, the best is yet to come. Do you believe that? Clap your hands and give Jesus some more praise. God, thank you so much for going on a journey with me this morning as we tried to navigate what the Spirit was wanting to do. Um, I, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to just just come and say, well, I preached a sermon, preached a message, and we had good church. Amen. I, I want to know specifically what does God want to do in this moment? And we've got to find that. You've got to look for it. He said, if you'll seek me with all your heart, I'll be found of you. I believe there's a key to every service. We've got to find that key. Whatever unlocks the supernatural so people's lives can be changed to get them into the presence of God. I'm after that. Amen. So I'm, I'm going to do, I just pledge to you as an evangelist, I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to find that key to have a move of God because that's what I'm hungry for. Amen. How many of you know that to be true? You're after God. You're after God. I want God to have his way in this house here tonight. Amen. As you're turning to the book of Acts, Acts chapter number 28, it's been such a high honor this weekend to spend a few hours with you and give honor to Pastor Green and his wife and their amazing children and also to Bishop. God bless him. And so honored to meet Pastor Gandhi or Evangelist Gandhi, Bishop Gandhi, Bishop, Bishop, pastor, husband, dad of, of preachers, wives, and all kinds of things. I, you, you just got it all. Amen. Does that make sense? Like you're the dad of a, a preacher's wife, a pastor's wife, and all the ministry and children and everything. You're, I guess he's, a, he's like Gandhi extraordinaire. Amen. Just, he's a, he's a, a, a ministry of all trades. Yeah. And he's a. Husband to an amazing wife, to say an amen to the evangelist, praise God, amen. And so I love his spirit, and uh, so honored to be with you in service, and um, love being around the ministry. And thank God for the church, the body of Christ. I'm so indebted to the body of Christ. I'm indebted to elders who love this apostolic doctrine. That's preached this truth, that's worshiped, that's prayed, that's fasted, that's sacrificed. If you ever see a turtle on top of a fence post, you know somebody picked it up and put it on top of that fence post. Because no turtles can climb a tree that I'm aware of. And we are a generation not only upon whom the ends of the world is come, but we are a generation that is indebted to the previous generation of the price and the sacrifice that they paid. Amen. Young people, you are dancing on carpet that you didn't pay for. 
you're enjoying air conditioning that some elder years ago paid to be installed, thousands of dollars. They bought property on this highway when this area was, was little to nothing, when there's hardly any traffic through here. If, I, if, I'm, if I'm correct, I stand to be corrected. Well, there's not much going on here. And God, God used men and women who sacrificed and gave. And we are a byproduct of people that loved God enough to open up their time and talent and treasure and invest in the kingdom of God. So all the elders tonight, we honor you. I'm doing that many places that I go because I want the elders to know that this generation is thankful for you and we are indebted to you and we are carrying this message on. We love it like you love it. We preach it like you preach it. And so we're very, very thankful for you. And everybody say in Jesus' name. And all the young folks say amen. We're all young tonight. Amen. Praise God. (laughs) Acts chapter 28. And beginning in verse number 3, Acts chapter number 28 and verse number 3. Actually, we can skip up to 1 if that's not too much trouble for the media. Acts chapter 28 and verse number 1, if, if you could do that. The Bible said, when you find it, shout hallelujah. And when, and when they were escaped, they had escaped Eurocladon. A powerful storm in the middle of the sea, and when they had escaped, then they knew that the island was called Melita. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us every one because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat. And fastened on his hand. And when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer. Because of the attack on him, surely he's done something wrong. Because the venomous beast has bitten him, surely he's done something wrong. When they said among themselves, no doubt he's a murderer, whom, though he had escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth not to live. Verse 5, and he shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit, I love the howbeits in the King James Version. Howbeit, they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down dead suddenly. But after they had looked a great while, they saw no harm come to him. What should have killed him did not. What should have taken him out didn't have the ability to. And the miracle of what God did for him that day, the man of God, was change the perspective of how people viewed him. They did not look at him now as a murderer, but yet they changed the perspective how you re- Holy Ghost. How you respond to the attack can be a great testimony to the unbeliever. And when they saw that he was still standing, when they saw he wasn't swollen, when they saw he was not falling down dead suddenly, the Bible says that this, this thing changed their minds and said that he was a God, a little G-O-D. Let me preach to you what I've been feeling all week for this congregation. I tried to preach it this morning, and it didn't work out, so here we are tonight. Amen. I want to preach to you from this thought, the antidote, the antidote. Amen. How many of you helped me preach here a little while? I got to give you two doses in one tonight, all right? Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him I'm so glad you look better than I do, and you may be seated. God bless you. You may be seated in Jesus' name. 
I never have been, nor will I ever be, a snake liker or a lover. Can I get a witness in the house, Reese Scott? I tolerate looking at them through thick plexiglass that separates me from any snake, be it a non-poisonous or a poisonous. It's irrelevant to me that if they have round eyes, which is an indicator that they are non-poisonous, and that they have no pits, meaning uh, not an armpit, but a pit in the front of their nose, that lets me know they're non-poisonous. It's irrelevant to me their color, their makeup, how that they look, how big they are, how long, how, how, how fat, how it's irrelevant to me. I'm just not a snake lover nor a snake liker. What one preacher preached was this, there are no little snakes. The only good snakes are dead ones. And I know there's some benefit to some chicken snakes and maybe some different things, whatever. But we, we are definitely not a snake handling church. Come on, help a brother out tonight, praise God. <laughs> but snake season is very real. In fact, the CDC uh, says that 8,000 people in the U.S. get bitten on an annual basis. Doesn't seem like much, but it's quite a bit considering that on a daily basis, we very rarely ever see a snake. But yet, thousands of people are bitten by a snake. If you, if you get bitten by a snake, especially a poisonous or a venomous snake, what you need is some antivenom or an antidote because you need something uh, put into your body to literally, by definition, an antidote is medicine taken or given to counteract a poison or namely a particular poison. As long as you receive an antidote or an antivenom in time to counteract the poison, everything will be okay. It didn't matter how strong it was. It didn't matter how long the snake or little that it attached itself to bite you and to inject the poison into your body. If you get the antidote or the antivenom in time, everything's going to be all right. It didn't matter if you swell a little bit. It didn't matter if it hurt, if it was painful. The fact matter is that the antidote will do what it's intended to do. It has the ability to reverse, if I can say it that way, the curse of the venom coursing through your body, and it can counteract what the intention of the poison would have done to you prior to you receiving the antidote. John Hopkins Medicine says that all snake bites are to be treated as though they are venomous. So you can't play around. If you get bit by a snake, it's probably wise to go to the doctor to get some antivenom because you don't know if the snake was venomous or not because chances are I don't really care if it's venom or not. I want to get away from it and get some medical care. Amen. And so we need it to counteract. You see, when you need antivenom or an antidote, the price that you pay is not an option. It doesn't matter how much it costs you. You've got to get the antidote to counteract the poison that has been injected into you. Help me, Holy Ghost. Compromise is no option. It is not up for debate. I don't want a watered-down antidote. I don't want a substitute antidote. I don't want something that will be an antivenom to prevent the poison. I want the real deal. Oh, somebody well, might as well just help me preach right now. I, I don't want a watered-down antivenom or an antidote. I don't want a substitute antidote. Price is not an option when I'm trying. When life and death is on the line or my children need something from God or my family needs something from God, there is no price too high that I'm not willing to pay. I'm not willing to compromise who I am or what. I am to get a substitute doctrine or a substitute message of an antivenom that I need. Somebody clap your hands and shout, yes, Lord. 
I'm not going to wait around. I'm not going to watch the poison spread into other parts of my body. It's not an option when you need the antidote. I rise to this sacred desk on this Sunday evening. And by the way, thank you for coming here again this evening for an extra service. And I hope and pray you get what you bargained for and you receive what you come looking for. But I've come to preach to you tonight that the servant of the serpent of sin and perversion and false doctrine and drugs and abuse and ungodliness is striking families in throughout the world on every front everywhere we turn there's a poison from that old serpent the revelation calls the devil and he is going about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour I know the thief cometh but for to steal to kill and destroy but John 10 and 10 also said that Jesus Christ is come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. I've come to preach to you tonight uh, that it is unfortunate, in fact maybe a tragedy, that the serpent uh, of sin and poison of perversion has infested your home or attacked one of your loved ones or maybe attacked your marriage. But let me preach to you here tonight uh, that there's not enough poison from your past. There's not enough perversion that can hinder and stop the antidote from counteracting what come on what the devil meant for evil God can mean for good what the devil tried to destroy God can build up in hell oh I feel a little Holy Ghost helping us right now won't you give the Lord a wave offering of praise right now It's trying to numb the body of Christ. It's trying to get us to dumb down our senses and our vision to be obscured and blurred. In 2 Corinthians 2 and 11, it says, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Literally what that means, that word devices is the thought life. It's the context of what a person is thinking about. We are not ignorant of his fiery darts that he's trying to put into our mind I'll tell you where the battleground is it's in your mind it's what the spirit world tries to project to you it says the poison's too strong it says there is no cure for what you're going through it says there's no way out you're going to swell you're going to die it's going to take you out but help me Holy Ghost there is a way where there seems to be no way there is a cause there is a miracle in the midst of the attack. There is a God that can still do exceeding abundantly above all, above all, above all that you could ever ask or think. Woo! For Daniel said it like this in 725. He said he shall wear out. Everybody say wear out. That doesn't mean merely physically. It literally means in the sense of the word. It means to affect, to wear out in the mental sense. He wants to wear you down mentally because you can be tired physically. But if your mind is made up, the devil knows he can't do anything with you. It's like the old song that said, I got my foot on the rock and my mind... I wish somebody helped me preach right now. I got my foot on the rock and my mind, my mind is made up. Hey, it don't matter. Yea, though I walk through, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. 
I feel like helping somebody right now. You said, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death. You need to learn that Psalms 23 because it says that key word through. It says that key word through. Yea, though I walk through. Yea, though I walk through. What does that mean? I'm not staying in the valley of the shadow of death. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to go through it. I'm going to get beyond it. I'm going to be all right. I'm going to survive it. I will make it through it. Woo! I don't know who he's been biting, and I don't know what poison he's been putting into you, but you can make it through it. Come on, you're not going to get to something that the Holy Ghost can't get you through it. You're not going to face, come on, that God loves you too much. He's got good intentions for you. He cares about you too much. You can make it through. I wish somebody get that into your spirit tonight. I can make it through it. I can make it through it. I can make it through it. Woo! Uh. So perhaps he raised his ugly head and he bit you. What you need is the antidote. Because if you get the antidote, it don't matter how many times he bit you. It doesn't matter how much venom he put into you. It's irrelevant how much he injected into you. His lies don't matter when you get the antidote. What he's been trying to convince you of don't matter when you get the antidote. No matter how dark it seems, no matter how much you've lost your vision and you're blurred and can't walk right and you can't think right, as soon as the antidote comes, everything changes. As soon as you get what you need from God, everything changes. So tonight, before we get to our text, I want to remind you that Paul told them in Acts 27 and 10, he said, listen, the voyage that you're about to go on, it will be with hurt and damage, not only of the ship, but of your lives. Paul was a man of God, and the man of God told them, I don't feel good about this. I don't feel good about your journey. I don't feel good about the direction you're going to go. It was God's man that tried to warn them, but guess what? Like some of us do, they didn't listen or heed the instructions of God's man. And so when Paul, get by, stay focused right now. When Paul, when Paul said, listen, I don't think we should take this voyage. I don't think we should go on this journey. I don't feel good about it. I, I don't feel peace about it. They just, they did not listen to Paul and they sailed away and they did what they wanted to do. But guess what happened? The journey became chaotic. The journey became destructive. They lost their ability to navigate when the Bible says they couldn't see the sun or the stars in many days. In the nautical world, it's critical to see the stars. It's critical to see the sun. It's critical to know and to find your place and which direction that you're heading. I'm preaching to somebody right now. You are confused. You don't know your direction. You don't know where you're trying to head go. Why? because there's a man of God somewhere that says I don't feel good about that decision I don't feel good about that relationship I don't feel good about that journey and you've tuned God's man out and you've listened to the owner of the ship and you've went anyways and you've sailed anyways and you went on a course that is now very dangerous and chaotic they said no small tempest laid upon us Nothing was going right. Nothing was going in the right direction. The poison of bad choices was wearing them down. It was their choice that positioned them in the middle of a storm. It was their bad direction, not listening to the man of God, that positioned them in the middle of a sea, in the middle of a tempestuous wind called Lerocodon. It was there that nothing was going right. 
Nothing was going good. It looked bleak. It looked bad. It was difficult. I'll just be honest with you. It was messy. It was dark. It was dismal. It was discouragement. They were thinking about, I'm going to die. I'm going to lose it all. Their life was a wreck and their life was a mess. And he told them in Acts 27 verse 21, he said, you should have listened to me. I told you, you shouldn't have left Crete. You should have stayed there. And in the fight of their life, the storm's rocking the boat. They are scared to death. I don't know about you, but you put me in a little flat bottom, some kind of flat bottom 14-foot John boat, and you start rocking that boat just a little bit, and I'm like, come on, come on somebody. You get somebody standing in it, and they put their foot in it, and that boat goes like that. I'm the top of guy. But you put me in a big ship, and that big ship starts rocking, and the storm starts coming, and the winds and the rain, and there's more water getting in the ship than you can get out of the ship. And you're thinking about your family, and you're thinking about all the big picture of what's going on, and you're sitting there thinking, my God, my bad decision has poisoned me. It's put me in a rough place, in a difficult situation, in the middle of it all. You know what you need? You need the antidote. Well, guess what? The man that you wouldn't listen to is about to get a word from God for you. And this time, he's coming with an antidote in the middle of your storm, in the middle of your situation, in the middle of your circumstance. God's got a man that'll get a word from God for you. Oh, somebody clap your hands and give Jesus some glory. So Paul finally, after long abstinence, <laughs> he let it settle in that they made a bad decision. And finally he said, listen, he said in, in Acts chapter 27 and verse number 23, for there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, fear not. Fear not, Paul. I think it's worthy of mention that God knows your name in the middle of the storm. He didn't just say, fear not. Pastor Bishop Elder Gandhi, evangelist extraordinaire, you know what? He addressed him. He gave him a word. The first thing the angel wanted this man of God to know was to fear not. And then he said, fear not, Paul. What was it letting us know? In the middle of the darkest hour, when you can't see the sun, God, I feel the Holy Ghost helping us tonight. When you can't see the stars, God knows your name. He knows where you are, Paul. He knows what you're going through, Paul. Fear not, Paul. Fear not, Paul. Fear not, Paul. Fear not, Paul. I'm in the fight of my life. Fear not. I don't know what to do. Fear not. I know who you are. I know where you've been. I know, I know you're frustrated. I know you're down and out. I know you're fighting hell. But I know your name. I still know your name. He says, fear not, Paul. He said, because thou must be brought before Caesar. Guess who is not among the roll call of 276 sailors that's on the boat? Caesar. Caesar is Noah's key. Caesar is not on the boat. He's not here. He's not there. He's not in the bottom of the boat. He's not on the edge of the boat. He's not holding on to the sail. He's not scared. Caesar is not worried because Caesar is not on your boat and Caesar's not in the sea. What did that word? I tell you what happened. God gave his man the antidote to the storm. The antidote was you're going to stand before faith, before Caesar rather. You're not going to swim to him. You're not going to you're not going to drown with him. He said you're going to stand before Caesar. And so I just have the 
opinion, if I'm Paul and I got a word from God and I can't find Caesar on the boat, that lets me know the sea is not going to get me because the Caesar is not on the boat. The sea is not going to destroy me because Caesar is not on the boat. I'm not going to sit before Caesar. I'm not going to fish with Caesar. I'm going to stand before Caesar. What's the antidote? The antidote is you got a word from God. And if Caesar's not on the boat, the, the sea's not going to get you. If Caesar's not in the storm, the storm's not. You're going to escape the sea because you're going to stand before Caesar. It's the antidote. When you got a word from God, I don't care what the wind does. When you got a word from God, I don't care what the sea does. When you got a word from God, I don't care if the boat falls apart and the pieces go everywhere. It don't matter. I got the antidote. I've got a word from God. And when I got a word from God, well, Caesar ain't back over there. Nope. Sir, Caesar's not back there. We're, we're in the boat right now. We're in the ship. Caesar, Caesar over there? Nope. He's not in that he's not in that corridor. He's not aft. He's not on the starboard side. He's not in the front. He's not in the back. I don't see Caesar anywhere. He ain't down, he ain't down in the kitchen cooking some tacos or some, some tamales. Caesar's nowhere on the boat. And they're throwing stuff out of the boat. They're scared for their life. And old Paul stands up and says, I got a word. He's, none of you's going to be lost. None of you's going to die. We're going to lose the ship, but we ain't going to lose you. And the boat starts falling apart. And the Bible says those that could swim, they started swimming. Woo! I ain't seen Caesar. I'm going to keep on swimming. Come on. Caesar's not in the boat, and Caesar's not on the sea. So I don't care where the boat crashes. I'm going to make it to land because I'm going to stand and I'm going to see Caesar face to face. I wish somebody understood what I'm preaching right now. When, when you're in the fight of your life, God can give you a word. And when the word comes, it'll counteract the lies of the enemy. It'll counteract what the devil said. The He's a liar from the beginning. The truth is not in him. He is the father of all lies. But give me Jesus. Give me a word from God. Give me the antidote and everything will be all right. See, the what, the why, the when doesn't matter when you know the who. Quit talking more about your storm and quit talking more about the attack and start talking about the word from God that you got. Start elevating. Start talking about God in the middle of the storm, you're still faithful. God in the middle of your attack, you're still a good God. I got a word from the Lord. When I've got a word from God, I can survive the sea. I can escape the sea. When I got a word from the Lord. Woo! Notice verse 26. He said, wherefore, or because of this word, sirs, be of good cheer. Why are you depressed? You can be happy in the fight of your life. You can be happy in the storm of your life. Be of good cheer. For I believe God that it shall be even as it was told me it's going to happen. Oh, all of them. Everybody say all of them. Every sailor on that ship survived. Some of them on pieces board. Those that couldn't swim, man, if you couldn't swim, you better find a piece of the ship that's floating. You better do whatever you got to do. You got to kick. So here's where some of you are. You're in the swimming stage and the kicking stage, and you're getting a little tired and a little weary, but I want you to know you're going to stand before Caesar. You got to keep on swimming, Paul. You got to keep on working, Paul. I don't know if Paul could swim or not, but I do know God said you're going to stand before Caesar. And so when the devil says you're going to drown, the antidote says where Caesar. When the devil says 
said you're not going to make it through this one. The antidote says you're going to stand before Caesar. Paul, I got the antidote for you. It's a word from God. You're going to stand before Caesar. So fresh from a tragedy, fresh from fighting the storm and fighting against the waves and fresh from the the boat falling apart, fresh from getting rid of all the stuff, all their goodies, all the stuff they owned, everything that was on the ship, fresh from losing everything, fresh from losing it all, tragedy, a heartbreak, a difficult time, a stressful, highly stressful situation. Fresh from all of that, just had escaped the sea. And he gets to our text, and he gets there to some kind people, and they gets there, and there's a little fire going. And in the cold and in the rain, the man of God picks up a bundle of sticks and he puts them on the fire. He puts them, adds some fuel to the fire. I don't know if there was just embers there. I don't know if he wanted to get a little hotter because he was cold. Ain't nothing like a warm fire on a cold, rainy day. And the old man of God, he gathered a bundle of sticks. And the Bible said he was fresh from the escape. He was fresh. He still had a word. He still had that word in his spirit to fear not. I don't know about you but when God gives you a word it's not just for the sea it's also for the serpent. When God gives you a word it's something that can back you it's something that can help you when a word is fitly spoken it's like apples of gold and pitchers of silver when the word come on when the logos is forever settled in heaven and when God whether God gives you a logos word or a rhema word it's still his word and it won't return unto him void it will accomplish what he sent it to do so He takes the wood, he puts it on the fire. And the Bible says, out of the heat comes a venomous beast. What should have killed the viper didn't kill it. What do you mean? I don't know about you, but you can't survive a fire, neither can a serpent survive a fire. I am of the opinion that that attack was a spiritual attack. Because the fire should have killed the serpent. The fire should have killed the viper, but the viper comes out of the heat and fastens on to the man of God's hand. So you're now in a quandrum. The venomous beast just bit you. It's hanging on your hand. The pain of the injection site where the enemy, the serpent, bit you on the hand. Here's the problem. When he, get, when he got bit, it caused the blood to flow. I hope that's making sense. When the enemy bit him on the hand, it opened up the flesh, which caused blood to start flowing. And any time the blood starts flowing... I know the blood was going through a circulatory system. I understand that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the the serpent messed up. When it bit him on the hand, it caused the blood to drip out. There's still power in the blood. There's still power in the blood of Jesus. There's still power. Not even the deaf angel can cross the bloodline when it's put on the doorpost and the lentils. Come on, somebody. There's still power in the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood over your marriage. I plead the blood over your finances. I plead the blood over your family. I plead the blood over your situation. I plead the blood over your circumstance. There's power. There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Somebody praise him right now. Somebody lift him up right now. Somebody give him glory in the house. So he's standing. Pastor Green, he's standing in the rain. His body is wet. He's drenched. He's cold. 
He's been fighting the sea. He's been fighting all the negativity on the boat. People saying, I'm going to die. People saying, I'm not going to make it. And now Paul is being attacked personally. I believe that the sea was the result of a bad decision. But the viper was because of a spiritual attack of what Paul was doing right. But guess, but guess who wasn't on the island of Melita? Guess who wasn't standing by the fire? Guess who wasn't with the barbarous people? Guess who wasn't standing by the wood pile that Paul picked up to put on the fire? Guess who wasn't nearby? i tell you who wasn't there. It was what God said he would stand before. It was the man. See, can I tell somebody? It's easy to shake the beast off in the fire when you've already got the antidote to the poison. And that was this. Well, I don't see Caesar, so I shook it off. I don't see Caesar anywhere, so I'll shake it off in the fire. Guess what? Caesar is not near the fire and Caesar is not on the island I wish somebody hear what I'm saying your attack is nothing when you know the antidote before the attack I'm trying to hurry in the medical world when you get bit by a snake they give you the, the they give you the antidote after you've been bitten but in God's economy, it seems to me that God gives you the antidote before you're bitten. You ever had a man of God give you a word that didn't make sense? But six months later, when you get hit in the head with a sledgehammer, you remember that word. You know what that was? God have mercy. It was an antidote to the attack of the enemy. I didn't know how I was going to make it. But man, I remember that message that that preacher preached. I didn't know how in the world I was going to get through it. What happens? You go back to that antidote bank and you pick up that antidote and you say, thank you, Jesus. And you know the ending from the beginning. And I don't see Caesar on the island. And I don't see Caesar trying to get warm by the fire. I'm preaching to somebody right now. It's then that you know God already knows what my future is. I'm going to stand before Caesar. I'm going to stand before Caesar. So I'm going to shake it off in the fire. And guess what? Guess what? Because it's spiritual. He didn't try to kill it. He didn't try to kill it. He just put it back where it was. He put, God, you just what you got to do. Put him back in his place. He come out of the fire to attack you, shake him back off in the fire. You cannot kill spiritual vipers in the flesh. When it's a spiritual, I hope this is okay. If I'm wrong, you can stand to correct me. But I don't believe that the viper should have lived in the fire. But it lived in the heat. It come out of the heat. And you can do hypotheticals. Well, it was in the bundle sticks and he put it on. Well, maybe that happened. But I believe it was spiritual because God would never said, you're going to stand before Caesar. But God gave him the answer antidote before the venomous beast ever bit him on the hand. And when they looked at him and they seen that his hand did not swell and that he didn't die down, just fell over dead suddenly. They said, man, at first they said, oh, they're going through it. They must have done something wrong. They 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 getting attacked. The poison. The enemy. They must have messed up. They must have done something really bad. No, they didn't. They was just trying to get warm by the fire. It's amazing what happens when you're just trying to get warm by the fire. I'm going to go to church tonight on an extra Sunday night and all devil's going to break loose and try to fight you and attack you, but you got to make up your mind. I'm pursuing the things of God. I'm going to shake... I'm going to shake the beast off in the fire and I'm going to feel no harm. He shook the beast off in the fire and guess what happened? Miracles started breaking out. 
Publicist's father had the fever, got healed. Miracles started taking place. It's kind of like the woman that I seen a few weeks ago. Her right arm was crippled. She couldn't move. The, the pastor said, listen, we need to pray for her. She had an MRI, and no, we don't know what's wrong with her, but she could not extend her hand. Prayer was made. We laid hands on her, and before my eyes, I seen her arm do this, and she raised her hand, and God instantaneously healed her. I seen her last weekend in church service like this. She was still worshiping God because it was a miracle of what God did for her. What I'm telling somebody, when you got a word from God, if miracles will break out and people will say, my Lord, we thought you'd done something wrong, but I don't see Caesar either, so let's shake off the beast in the fire. Lift your hands with me and love the Lord right now, would you? Jesus Christ, in the name of 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 the Lord, in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Lift your voice here for a moment. Come on, lift your voice and talk to the Lord here for a moment. before Caesar. You're going to fall over dead. Your life's going to be ended. No, it's not. I'm going to stand. I'm going to stand before Caesar soon and very soon. I feel, I feel to share something with you. Can I have a few more moments? I've been going 35 minutes. I need a few more moments. Be seated. I'm almost done. For about I have two children, my son, my son Michael, 16, he's, he's six foot one, weighs like 235, he's, he's, a, he's a big kid, okay, he's strong, stout, I used to be able to like toss him around, I grab him and like nothing moves, you know, and he, he just looks at me and bows up, and like, he's, just, he's just a stout kid, and there's something about children that when they get into the teenage years, I mean something changes, oh come on somebody, Man, I don't know. Something. It's like you were this kid, and when, when a teen got attached to your age, just a, just a teen, just 13 or 14 or 15, like everything changes, you know. Good kid, smart, brilliant. Man, I, God's got a call in his life. I can't wait to see what God's going to do. Just amazing. But because, because his dad's a preacher and because, because the, the serpent likes to bite, because the venomous beast likes to come out in the fire and bite on your hand and attack you. The, the enemy will do everything he can. The people that you love that's attached to you to attack them to get to you. He'll cause divisions and cause... And that's what started happening last year or so with me and my son. I'm being very transparent with you only because I feel it and only because I want to help you, okay? Is that, is that a deal? And uh, we, we, we started button heads. I mean, I'd come home from preaching and He'd smart off something, say something, and I'm like, man, I just want to. <laughs> Grounding him and fighting and getting upset and my wife getting upset at me because I seemed, I was so, seemed to be so negative, but his spirit would rise up and it was just kind of a, kind of a rebellious thing, you know. I don't know what to call it. He, he loves God and Man, it was difficult. It was just a trial. I, I was in the ship, and it was dark and messy, and things are falling apart and causing problems in our home, and there wasn't any peace, and all this stuff was going on. And I don't know about you, but I don't tolerate that stuff. I don't tolerate chaos and confusion. I don't do well with the enemy coming in trying to wreck stuff and tear stuff apart and try to cause division in the home and getting, getting the son against the daddy. I'm talking to somebody right now. Getting, getting the husband against the wife and getting the children at odds at each other and, and there's no peace at the dinner table and everything's pointed and interjected and everything's like a knife and being cut on. And I don't do well with that nonsense because I don't think it's the will of God. So we, we were going back and forth and 
man, it was getting sticky and difficult and I was frustrated. It, it usually happened when, like before I'm leaving to preach and when I come back after preaching and there was just, there was a, a power struggle. Everybody stay to hurry. There was a power struggle going on and there, there was difficult. It was the pulling this way and pulling that way and my wife's like, listen, you got to back off of him. I'm worried about you pushing him out of the house and I'm worried about this and worried about that but I was like, you know, this is my house and you know how you men do. This is my house and he ain't going to talk to me like that. He ain't going to act like that. Amen. I brought you in the world and I'm So I try to love him, try to spend his love language is time. And so I'd spend time with him. We do things together. Matter of fact, I'll be honest with you. I was supposed to preach here last weekend, and I canceled to be here to go spend time with my son. Yeah. He said, get it off your heart. Hallelujah. (laughs) Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Amen. So. Just, just the seasons. You, you have to make tough calls and tough decisions when you, when you got to make sure that your family's healthy. So sometimes you got to do stuff like that. It's very rare. I don't ever, ever do that, but I just had to do it. Anyways, back to my story. So I was trying to figure it out. What can I counteract this poison with? What is the key to change the scope and the landscape within the family unit of the Burns household. What will change this? What will fix it? What will, if, if the enemy is trying to do this, there's got to be a counterattack against it. There, whatever this poison is, I, I've got to identify it and find it. It's, uh, and so I started praying. It's amazing what happens when you start praying. I started praying, started seeking God, started to try. I wanted to find that antidote. I was looking at every medicine. Can I just preach like this? I was looking at every spiritual medicine cabinet saying, okay. Nope, it's not in that one. Okay, nope, it's not in that one. No, it's not in that one. That's not the antidote, and that's not the antidote. What is it? Am I doing something wrong? Am I a bad parent? Am I not a good daddy? Am I not this? Am I not that? And I start internalizing, looking at myself, examining myself, saying, what have I done? What? And, and I started realizing, no, there's some, there's some spiritual stuff going on here. And then I started looking and started looking, and, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost starts giving me a word of what to do. My son was coming home from being out of town for a couple of days, spending where my mom lives, a couple of hours from us. He was coming home, and the Holy Ghost said to me, he said, I want you to get a tub of water. I want you to fill it full of water, like a, a wash basin, and put it in the living room. And when your son walks in the room, I want you to set him down at the chair and put his feet in the water. And I want you to start washing your son's feet. And so I pray, I was praying, that I was in prayer I was intense prayer powerful prayer and one one of my friend preacher friend called me just about something different and I said man I'm in prayer unless you have something from God to say I don't want to talk and he, he paused for a minute and he said well I, I feel this and we started praying and for a solid hour on the phone before my son got to the house me and one of my friends he had no idea what was going on but there was a powerful prayer meeting of intercession you know what was happening God was downloading the antidote to the poison the enemy had been infesting into my son. There was some stuff he was involved in that the enemy was using to try to get a foothold to destroy my boy. But he walked in. I got off of the phone with the preacher. I had the, the tub of water and I took my boy and I set him down and I didn't say nothing to him. I put him down in a chair and I started washing his feet. I started saying, God, you know my boy. You know what he's done. You know what his struggles are. You know it's difficult. Come here and help me, sir. Come here and help me. I sat him down in the chair and I sat there and my son, he didn't know what was going on but I had the antidote. Oh, daddy got a word from God and I knelt my boy. This just happened a few months ago. I put him in the chair. I started washing his feet. I started saying, God, your hand's on my boy. God, he's anointed by God. Lord, we're in a tough season right now. We're in a storm in our family. It's dark and difficult and I don't know what's all going on but God we take everything and we started just I try say we're going to throw this in the tub symbolically we started saying God we're washing this we're giving this to you and I kept on praying and before it was said 
I remember I got all the way in the floor. I had my boy's feet like this. I was all the way in the water. Water was going everywhere. I started shaking. Uh, the power of God, the Holy Ghost started moving on me. And I kept on praying. I shook. Water was going everywhere. And I started feeling my son. He started. He started praying. I got up. I put my hands on his forehead. He lifted his hands. They seen him. I put my hands on his forehead. He started praying in the Holy Ghost. Come on. He had prayed through before, but something was happening different this time. Something. God was reaching in. An antidote was being interjected into our family. And guess what? After an hour or an hour and a half of praying with him, of washing his feet, you know what happened? My old son came back to life. And guess what? His what are you saying you don't have to accept the attack of the serpent you can shake it off in the fire you don't have to accept defeat you can shake it off in the fire when you got a word from God God you're going to anoint my son God you're going to use my boy And here's what happened. Here's what happened. Before, before I ever faced this with my boy, years ago, about 10 years ago, I was in Oklahoma camp meeting at the back door of the camp meeting. And one of my missionary friends, Lionel Dabbs, who's now a missionary overseas in Taiwan, he come up to me and said, Brother Burns, I want you to pray for my wife. We're expecting our first son who, who now is LJ. He's about 12 years old. He said, I want you to pray for my wife that everything would go good with the pregnancy. She was kind of pregnant at an older, older age and, and there was worried about some complications. When I laid hands on this missionary wife, the Holy Ghost spoke to me about 10 years ago. God said to me, Shane, I'm going to give your son a double portion of your spirit, not her son, my son. As I prayed for an unborn child in a womb, God spoke to me about my six-year-old boy, that God was going to give him a double portion. And so when all this stuff was stirring, I kept on saying, God, you said you was going to give him a double portion. God, you said he was going to give a double portion. And as I laid there in my living room in that wash basin washing my boy's feet, I can't describe to you what happened. But all I know is Caesar wasn't nowhere around. All I know is Caesar wasn't near the fire. All I know is I shook the beast off in the fire. His grandma, his grandma said, Michael's different. There's something different about him. He's totally different. Youth pastor, Pastor Tony, he said, Brother Burns, he said, your boy's first one on the altar. He said, he's been laid out on the floor for an hour seeking God. Can I tell you, quit accepting the attack of the enemy. It's time he comes. It's time we reverse the curse. It's time we tell hell, get off of our family. It's time to tell hell, get off my marriage. Get away from me. You got to shake it. 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 You got the antidote. Would you stand to your feet? Would you lift your voice? Would you magnify God with me? I don't, I don't know what your, or who your Michael is. That's my son's name. I don't know. I don't know what you faced. I don't know how long you've been in the sea. I don't know how long ago the serpent bit you. But there's one thing that I know. If you'll believe God's word, if you'll trust God's man again, it comes down to a trust factor. It comes down to a trust factor. When you get a word from God, it changes everything. Lift your hands and receive right now. Somebody open up your spirit right now in the name of the Lord. 
Come on, you can get the antidote right now. You can receive the antidote right now. Receive the Lord right now. Receive what God has right now. If it's appropriate, reach over and grab your neighbor's hand. And I want you to be that there'll be a mass prayer meeting here for a moment. I want you to begin to pray in the Holy Ghost with that person that's next to you. God can give you the antidote right now. God can give you a word from heaven right now. God can impart to you a word. He can give you a word. Thou shalt stand before Caesar. Thou shalt stand before Caesar. Shake it off in the fire. Shake it off in the fire tonight. You've got a word from God. It's not going to destroy you. It's not going to kill your family. It's not going to get your kids. Shake it off in the fire. Poison's not getting my home. That poison's not going to get my marriage. That poison's not going to get my husband. That poison's not going to get my wife. I'm shaking it off in the fire. I've got a word from God. I've got a promise from God. I'm standing on the promise of the Lord. I'm standing on the promise of the Lord. I'm standing on the promise of the Lord. God is for me. God is on my side. God is in my corner. Come on, these altars are open. Would you come? Would you run? Would you bring that loved one? Would you bring that spouse? Would you bring that teenage daughter? Would you bring that teenage son? Would you bring that friend? Would you bring that guest? I'm going to shake the beast off in the fire. (laughs) 